Hey, great day. So in this special podcast series, I will be introducing to you abundant streams of income that mental health providers can utilize in their business. And so we just wrapped up a live four-day bootcamp over on YouTube, but I do know that there's a large portion of our podcast listeners that would prefer to get the information in bite-sized pieces versus 60 to 90-minute workshops where they can take their time and implement the information. So make sure to say, Stay tuned to this episode. Hey, my name is Dr. TK, and on this podcast show, we will uncover abundant tools to help you become the CEO of your business and life. I am a mom and wife who took the knowledge as a clinical psychologist working for a government agency and being a professor for over 18 years into building a multi six-figure mental health business and seven-figure digital product business and doing what I love. Now, I believe that you can make a wildly abundant living and become unapologetic while also dreaming big, enjoying life, and making a huge impact in your community. This is the Therapists Deserve Abundance Podcast. All right, so mindset matters. So let's remove any remaining blocks, get them out the way. Okay, I want you to stop taking advice from people who don't want the financial freedom you are seeking. That is very different than people who don't want what I want in life. I specifically say a financial freedom. So if you want, I like travel. So if you want to get on a plane that you see as a last minute deal for this Saturday and you got a passport and you want to take your kids and your partner or your mama or somebody like that, you can't be letting other people who can't do that and who say, oh, you shouldn't be doing all that hold you back. You may need to minimize how much time you give to those people. What is your definition of financial freedom? Okay, stop talking to people who are interested in accumulating poverty versus wealth. Oh, put a two in a comment box if you feel that. Okay, stop talking to people who are interested in accumulating a broke ass mindset. Excuse my language right now. Put your headphones on. Okay, but we don't want to entertain people talking about what's not possible. That's probably why you may have been stuck in the past versus a wealth mindset, anything is possible. There's no caps on what can be done. What really is the key is you taking information, combining it with a positive mindset and then getting to work, okay? Stop settling for, oh, this is just enough. Just enough is whatever you want by December. I can guarantee you once you hit that goal, you're gonna be thirsty for another one. As long as you don't lose sight and what is your gift and what you actually want to do in the world in terms of impact, That's what matters. But don't just settle for, oh, this is just enough because it's only enough for right now or it's only enough for the people who you are entertaining. Now start striving for prosperity. Abundance. The definition of abundance is a wide range, a large sum of something. And it doesn't have to be money. It can be life experiences. At least that's the season that I'm in. I like material goods, but I also have a child that I want to see the world that I want him to experience different things. So have a prosperity mindset. Also start saying, I will be super rich and wealthy and will help a whole lot of people on my way to get there. Now I'm gonna tell you straight up, I got some hella nasty comments on my Facebook ad with people saying this is a problem with the mental health field. People just focused on money because one of my things said how I've made over $2 million. So you mad because I've learned how to be comfortable with talking about money? Because that's probably put a three in the comment box if you would agree. That's actually part of the problem of our industry is that we are already told that we're on the lowest bottom of the totem pole in terms of making money. 
But I'd be damned if I went to school to change somebody's whole life and they out here making thousands and millions of dollars and you mean to tell me that I can't make none myself? You are out of your mind. Every other industry can talk about how they're making all this money. I'm not saying it in a boasting. I'm just more saying it in, I'm telling therapists what's possible because most therapists can't fathom anything over $120,000 a year. And that's gross. That ain't even how much you're bringing back. So instead, if you need to be humbling, I'm from Compton, you know what I'm saying? I'm a humbling person. But I've learned over time to say things like, I am going to be super rich and wealthy. Wealth is a mindset richest things. Okay. And help a whole lot of people on my way to get there. So some of you have big dreams and visions. Oh, I want to give money to this charity. Exactly. Where's the money coming from? You doing 20 hours in your solo practice, but if you do 30, you might burn yourself out a little too early. Come on. Start also doing multiple six figure and millionaire math. You're going to hear that a lot over the next four days. If you don't want to do basic addition, subtraction, maybe a little percentage, division and multiplication, just basic. I ain't asking you to do what is the X and the Y, you know what I'm saying? But if you don't learn how to do basic math, you're not going to make as much as you should and as you were destined to make, all right? So part one, therapeutic streams of income. So these are some types. And what's nice is about this bootcamp, which is why I'm excited, is I've implemented all of these. And it doesn't mean that none of them did not work, but I will be sharing with you what it takes to make them work. And then you have to be aligned with them in the season that you're in, okay? So number one is therapeutic groups in community organizations. We're gonna break down all of these, okay? So let's do this. I should have numbered them. So let's say number one, I want you to identify which one you may be interested in in the chat box. Number one is you wanna create therapy groups maybe in community organizations, not just in your private practice. So put a one if you're interested in that. Number two, you want to do uh, training staff on mental health in community organizations. So one of them is client-centered, number one. Number two is staff, team, administration-oriented, right? Maybe you want to do both. You could do that. Um, the third one is maybe you want to focus on online public psychoeducational workshops. So you want to do things online and you just want to educate the general public about mental health and your specialty and how they can benefit and stuff like that. And number four is in-person psychoeducational workshops. So that takes it to another level. We're talking about in-person. We're going to talk about overhead, money, systems, and what that takes. So we have a good diversity of all of them, actually, one through four. Okay, cool. So, all right, so let's get going. So group types. So now that I'm gonna give y'all the slides, just be with me. So number one, and if you're not interested in this, pay attention to see if it piques your interest. So write down number one and say, oh, I think I wanna learn more about that. Let me go do the slides. Like, let me go look at the slides. So number one, okay, when we talk about therapy groups, therapy groups, your goal is to do groups where you can use your expertise. That is key one. From 101 services. So the way that I've been able to blast my business over time, over and over and over again, including in group practice, or just myself, is that I was able to take my specialty in one-on-one -on -one services and just look at how can I make a group for these same type of people or in the beginning, these same people. Maybe that's their framework of graduating from treatment. Think about that. That can be their booster sessions, right? Ah, okay. So how would you go about this? How we can get clients to go into these groups? You can look at things like 
create, you have, maybe you have a wait list with private practice clients, right? Like people who are interested in getting in services and maybe they can do your group because you can't do one-on-one. You don't have the capacity. Um, maybe you can look at graduating clients. I say graduation over termination. I don't like the negativity of termination. Okay. So maybe you had a client that graduated and they need to come back for maintenance. Maybe you recognize when you're talking to certain clients that they all have a common theme in their sessions and you're like, God, like I can kill two birds with one stone if we just all meet together, you know, maybe in like a month or something like that. Right. And it doesn't mean you can't see them one on one. You just have to help them understand the rules of group versus one on one in terms of your time. Also, you can collaborate with organizations to generate referrals. That is something that people are sleeping on. You're relying on directories and your own marketing capabilities which I don't know what that looks like. And you can actually link up with organizations who have your clients, right? You can collaborate with organizations to provide a service under their company, like a vendor or a contractor. So for example, you're going to hear me talk a lot about those nonprofits. So I can say like what I do right now, I can say, you know what? I don't want to keep doing all one-on-one services. I actually want to like tapered it down to like five clients or something like that, which is where I am. Right. And I want my portfolio of like my finances to be diversified. So I found a nonprofit. Initially, they brought me in to do trainings as an observer by nature, because we're a therapist or a healer. Right. We're doing an intake on organizations, whether we like it or not. Okay. So I went in, I saw the loopholes and the gaps of their system and like what their clients were not getting to maintain employment. Cause that was their goal reintegration from jail or prison, get a job, stay out, live a good life kind of thing. And there was a gap missing. They didn't have like trauma training, you know, things like that. And so they brought me in for general trauma training, but they didn't understand it probably needs to be broken down in a smaller bite-sized pieces, not just for the clients, but also for the staff. So be okay with sharing your ideas. Okay. Um, So collaborate and maybe they can then pay you to come in to do the services and you can use their office if you want to go in person. You can also choose if you want to do your group online or in person. Just keep in mind, this is a therapy group, not a coaching group, not a workshop. So you do want to keep it at like a small group, like five to seven. I would say not go under like four, because if somebody misses, the group is too small. Okay. So these are the things that you want to consider when you do a therapeutic group. If you're already doing groups, use it as a checklist. So you can decide if you want it to be open or closed. A lot of clinics have open groups, meaning it's a rolling. You come in, you get your intake, you in the group, right? There's benefits clearly to that because there are some people who've been there for a while and they will be able to help that person become comfortable, become vulnerable and open up and talk over time, right? Um, So you can decide if you want to have it open, close enrollment, like it opens up on this date, it closes for five weeks, and then you have another enrollment period. Um, You also want to understand the presenting problem so that you can um, solve the problem as a group, not an individual. That's actually one thing that therapists overlook when they're doing groups. They're like, oh, I solved this problem with Johnny over here in in group for teenagers. But you don't realize that Johnny don't like to share his time because, hey, he barely liked to share his time with you and his mama when y'all do a family session, you know. And so you need to take this in consideration. And it doesn't mean that Johnny can't be in the group. It just may mean that we need to have a conversation with Johnny about not monopolizing the time, right? And what does that look like? Also, please consider for a therapeutic group, please write this down. You have to have an intake. And I'm not going to say you should. Ethically, you have to for therapy. So if this is a new person that's not already on your caseload, that is your time and money. And usually 
It's not paid for. You can charge them for it, but I'm sure all your time is not going to be captured because you also need to sit down and I'm looking down on like a sheet of paper. You need to evaluate how all of these moving pieces, AKA other people are going to integrate with each other and each other's energy. That's a whole nother ball game. Put a one in the comment box if that just resonated like, yo, that's why that group didn't work. I probably should pause on that group. Oh, they for sure ain't going to work out together. Y'all need to consider who y'all fusing together for synergy, okay? Also, you got to consider EHR, okay? So you, you may have an overhead cost. It may be the same that you're doing now because it's just another client added. There are some EHRs that charge you based off the amount of clients that you have. So just make sure that you understand that when you start to expand, what is your back office going to look like in terms of what do you have to add? Are you hiring a VA or an admin to make sure that all of these things are done for the group members, all of their notes are in? Well, guess what? Maybe you got to pay for that admin to have access, right? Maybe you hired an intern to do the groups. Well, you may have to pay for that intern to do the note, you know? So how often do you want to launch the group? Write that down. What is the frequency? So if we're talking about in a calendar year, how many times do you want to launch the group? Please be realistic. If you've never done it, just say, listen, I just want to launch it. Please say that. And then after you launch it and you go through the process, then you'll say, you know what? I actually have the bandwidth and capacity because I know what I'm doing now. I'm going to learn from that experience. Nothing is ever a mistake. And I'm going to launch it again, hopefully because you like it. If you don't, don't launch it again, right? How many clients do you want in the group? Of course, is a consideration, right? So somebody said in the group, um, Sophia, policies and procedures, so important on the intake. Also, bigger things these days because we came out of that black hole for two years. I don't want to say the name. So location of your group, you have to decide in this season, do you want it online? You have to understand the repercussions of people not having privacy online, having headphones, having stable internet. If you don't give that disclosure when you're doing telehealth, you definitely want to do that. Also, do they know how to press the mute button? You feel me? Like if it's a group, <laughs> um, do you want to have it in the office? Do you have space for that? Where are they going to come in and wait? What is that first session going to look like when they are in the lobby? You know what I'm saying? Um, also, do you want to have it in the community? If I went to this nonprofit, I have to make sure that their blinds on the windows or the door has a sign that say, do not disturb or we can lock the door. But also for safety, is there anybody in the building with me after that's going to help me go to my car if we're having an evening group? You must consider these, right? Also consider things like, which we should already know, confidentiality amongst group members, launch processes to market. So anything you see with the little two asterisks, those are the areas that are more foreign to mental health providers and therapists and healers, because we assume that we know how to get group clients simply because we know how to get a one-on-one client. It is not the same. Not all marketing is created equal. So what is your launch processes in terms of getting people in the door to even do a consultation, then to schedule their intake, then to make sure they're a match for your group. That may within itself be a month process. And that's just doing the intakes. I didn't count marketing to get in front of the right people, which means you got to know who you want to serve. Okay. So also leads are required. Write this down if you're not familiar with marketing language. If you hear me saying leads, those are prospective clients. They're not your clients. So someone who calls your office or your voicemail and say, I want services with you, that is a potential lead, a potential client. Once they become a client, they're your client. But in order for your business to grow, I don't care what stream of income we talk about over the next four days, you're going to need leads. Okay. Ongoing paperwork for a group 
there are, you know, the notes and the notes can be cloned to a degree in terms of your interventions, but their response for each group member, of course, is going to be different, right? So do you have the bandwidth to add on that time for paperwork? And then reports, depending on, for some of you who do mandated services like I do, right, reports of what's required may depend on your clientele. So just make sure that you're not doing stuff just for money, like, boom, if I do this group, I get paid more because they are in a halfway house. I don't, I don't know, you know, but you got to make sure that you understand, is there work that's required, like release of information from a PO? Maybe you need to talk to a social worker because the person don't even understand what kind of therapy they're supposed to be getting and you don't want to waste their time, right? And lastly, I want to say for consideration, is your group more process-oriented, but it still should have some type of invisible curriculum? Or is it topic-based, like introduction to coping skills? Like you want to be specific because that helps you move the needle for marketing, right? <laughs> Someone said, brunch, <laughs> help people push the mute button. Hello. All right. Here are some possibilities for groups. So of course, look at it from a one-to-many standpoint. It is a lot of work when you first do it. But what I love is that you can do the same group over and over again with a different group of people or just graduate people, let them stay in, help them understand maybe their role of a peer mentor for some, not all. And then you bring new people in. It depends. So it's a one-to-many model. Um, you can do packages versus session to session calls. So you can tell people to attend this group instead of you saying it's $50 per session or whatever the cost is, it's maybe $250 for the package. And if you pay in full versus installments of two payments, I'm just giving you examples of payments, right? You can say you'll save $25. That's a way you can help somebody out or, you know, help more people get in. Now, I don't really urge discounts. I would prefer additional bonuses. Like maybe if they pay in full, they get a book. Maybe you wrote a book on a topic. Maybe they get that book for free, right? Or maybe if they sign up completely, your group is based on the book. I've had clients who've done that. They wrote a book and we like, yo, this is a whole textbook. It's a whole program, <laughs> you know? So give people the book. Um, also insurance is not a requirement, which is nice because you can pull from people in the general public. However, if you do go through insurance, I will tell you, usually the group rate is hella low. Right. So be mindful that you check the group rate before you start just airing out the laundry to your clients, because they may the reimbursement, let's just say maybe a hundred bucks or one fifty or eighty five dollars. But then for a group, it's thirty five dollars. Are you OK with that? Do the other people who are paying, does it offset that thirty five? Because you may have a low fee spot and that person gets it. Also, it can be as and write this down. If this is an idea, you can use groups, as I mentioned earlier, a phase two of treatment. They need more assistance, but you don't want them to continue to be so codependent. You want them to create a support system. Maybe they don't have one. Maybe they came from a rough upbringing and they don't have a lot of friends and family, right? So can you make that as a phase two? Like, this is my framework. After people go through one-on-one -on -one therapy, four times a year, I'll offer a group every quarter. Depending on when you end, I can put you on the wait list for the next group, right? Um, also, it creates a community, like I said, a support group for clients, this can also occur during, so put a one in the comment box if you see this happening, during slow seasons in your business. And if you don't know when your slow seasons are, you definitely need to figure that out by looking at your numbers from 2022 if you were in business. When were the months where your peak of referrals? Um, of course, let's just say you were doing the same thing all year. You know, you were active. Um, when were your referrals going down and when was your money going down? Because if you work with kids, maybe June and July is low. But if you work with parents, June and July is low too because vacations, I want to take a break. I ain't got a babysitter, things like that. So you want to be able to understand one of the slow seasons so that maybe that's a season where you do a group. So I'm going to give you a little free coaching tool that I've given my clients. 
If you work with adults, can you work with teachers? Some people don't want to work for a year. They actually want to work just for like a four week increment because they want to take a break too. So what population can you see that would benefit from a short-term topic that won't open up Pandora's box and maybe prepare them to go get a therapist later or you later, or maybe you just introduce them to something to self-care during the summer, right? The holidays, exactly, same thing. So here's a case study and I'll share it briefly. At one point, you know, I was serving a lot of teenagers and kids and then I ended up, no surprise, serving their parents. So I transitioned a lot of my clients, the girls, into a group. At that time, I had had a new intern and both of us had worked for the county and we had been trained on a particular uh, methodology of like anger management, self-care and things like that. I also had developed independent living skills groups from like doing community nonprofit organizations. Okay, so the independent living skills was a group to improve communication in one-on-one services and enhance the outcome, meaning they will graduate sooner. And you may be wondering, well, why would you do a group on independent living skills where a lot of my kids were graduating from high school? And so they parents were like, they got to get out at at one point. You know what I'm saying? Like I support them, but they got to (laughs) go. And so the problem is though, the parents were creating codependency, but also the parents didn't understand that the schools had removed a part of the curriculum. If you grew up in the nineties, the eighties and nineties, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Unless school had money, your school no longer had home ec or um, typing because computers were out, you know, um, and now we got AI and they didn't teach them like automotives, like basic trades. Right. So the parents never knew that. And I went to a PTA meeting and I saw this come alive in my face and I'm like, holy crap. And the, the teachers knew that the curriculum was removed in economics class, but they assumed the parents knew. So they weren't talking to the parents about it. They thought the parents were going to teach the kid how to manage money. Put a two in the comment box if you like, duh, right? So there's a lot of assumption and could you be the link that then if this is your gift, teach that to that population. So I actually had a group of kids that were in a support group for girls with at first me and my intern, then I just let my intern see them and then one to many leverage my time. And then I also had groups running during different times of the year, usually one time a quarter, four times a year, where I would invite eight kids into my therapy office, but I had a access to a conference room. It would be a Saturday. I would get pizza, you know, all of that is under the business expenses. And then I would give them handouts and stuff. And we will walk them through a one or two day or two weekends, two Saturdays, living skills. And it's just amazing how much kids don't know. Right? So um, it would help them ultimately decrease their anxiety about becoming an adult, adulting, and then they will feel more comfortable, confident even to live on the campus dorm, right? Because you got to maybe cook, you know? So it helped them be confident and decrease their anxiety and not have panic attacks. All of that stuff is interrelated, y'all. Don't sleep on your gift and what you know up here. Also, the clients helped me build the community. We had the girls support group that when we opened up the group again, they were like, oh, I want to help the new girls because I was scared the first time I came in and now I'm not. So I want to help them open up and, you know, get better and not be sad or depressed. Like these are teenage girls, right? So we don't have to do all the work ourselves. This also ultimately led to me being able to market in schools for with the kids at least. Um, and I did that with adults too, just more work sites. And it led to training opportunities because these kids are going to school. Imagine this, they're going to school and let's just say they got a school psychologist. Or they just go talk to the school counselor and they notice that their mindset is different. Like, what do you mean you, you learn how to find an apartment? Girl, you're 15 or son, you're 15, you know? And so they were amazed at these kids and the kids just start passing around my name. Like, oh yeah, I see Dr. Jackson. And they're like, where's she at? She on campus? They're like, nah, she around the corner. I see her on Saturdays. And they're like, 
Well, can you give me her information? That's how I got pulled in the schools. Okay. What I just explained, put a one if you can take that. And I'll go to the comment box. You can do the same thing for work sites. So are you going to talk about how to price the groups without using insurance? So I'm not going to talk about pricing because pricing is based on value. Value is based on the problem you can solve. I hope you got that. So some people chase the price first, and that is backward. <laughs> okay. You want to identify who are you serving because the SES tells you a lot. I, I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying like, I've told this to our academy students for private practice. You cannot sit here and tell me you want to serve your people in the hood that thrive off of government assistance and you trying to charge them 150. You just say that they thrive off of like government assistance. So why are they going to pay you 150? They see no value in it, right? So once you know the understand where these clients are coming from, then what problem do you solve? This is your niche. Technically, what problem do you solve? How are you going to help them solve it? What is that worth to them when they leave your services? And then, of course, you may say thousands of dollars, but we ain't going to charge that. So maybe you charge for a group a total of $250 for five sessions. You make up the price. I will say start at a place where you're comfortable with saying, but don't start too high and then you don't feel confident and then you go down, right? So that's where I would start versus I can't tell you how much to charge for your services. So again, it led to training. It led to, so all of that I just said was just independent living skills. Led to trainings, led to contracts with schools, led to speaking engagements. I also, like I said, did the frequency once a quarter. So I fine-tuned my system. I focused on word of mouth referrals also because that helped me fill in my solo and group practice. So get this, these kids and parents are seeing what I'm doing. They go and talk to their friends. Their friends call me and say, hey, I heard that you do this group, but my kid also need therapy or we need family therapy. Boom, we can do both. There are two different modalities of treatment. If I take insurance, there are different modalities of services like for a support group, okay? Also, like I said, someone said it in the chat box, summer and holiday seasonal marketing and my interns ran the group. I've been working on that. My question is, who are you charging though when you are in the schools? The schools have to work out a contract unless you know that those kids have insurance, which means you have to work with the parents. I've done services in school. I went and saw private practice kids in school because I didn't want to stay in my office sometimes. I like to be in the community. But I had a system where I would talk to the parents via a portal, via text. I would charge their credit card on file for the copay. That was their confirmation. I had the session with the kid. And then I would have a system in place where depending on the kids presenting problems, once a month or every other month, the parents have to bring the kid into my office, not on campus, so that I can see the family as a family dynamic just for me to do a check-in and like talk to the parents, all right? Listen, I am over here dancing. You just finished another epic episode of the Intentionally Abundant Podcast. Now, I know that flew by way too fast. So if you want more resources, head over to drtk.com forward slash link for additional abundant resources. Now, until the next episode, live intentionally abundant.